Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Tonight in the next prayer meeting, I want to just share in something in the subheading for the next couple of minutes. It's called the Tender High Priest. And you know that we have been in, when we were in John 17, it's the high priestly prayer. But I just wanted to, uh, as I studied uh, for the prayer meeting, I wanted to, you know, and I was just drawn to this, this thought and often things are happening and I'm observing things and, uh, and, and often in myself, when it comes to prayer meetings, no areas in my own life that's lacking. No, without, it's not that we're not seeking the spirit and God's guidance and what to speak about, but um, these are things that, that challenges me continually. And as we meet as brothers and sisters in Christ, which is indeed our, our prayer for uh, today, and I hope you're getting help with those prayers. I hope they're helping you. I hope they're getting you. I find doing them first thing in the morning are the best thing. See, as I get about my day, I end up knowing it's late on in the night. It's late on the day. So I've started saying the prayers first thing before anything. Uh, I keep it my prayer at the back of my phone. So it's never far away from me. If you're keeping in your pocket, your wallet, it's not there. But I keep it right in the back of my phone where my, uh, where my COVID exemption mask used to be. So I don't need that now. So I can put that there. And that's where I put it, and I can always see it. But uh, this is what I'm going to talk. I'm going to be drawn from uh, the teachings of Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, and his book, uh, his sermon book called Christ Names and Titles. Uh, it's a, a wee book, it's a great book, all about Christ Names and Titles, and where he shares sermons from Christ Names and Titles. Uh, his sermon title for this is called uh, We Have a High Priest. You see how complex the message titles are, aren't they? We have a high priest. Uh, and I'll be drawing much from there. But before I do that, I want to share uh, uh, our prayer, as we always do, from the Valley of Vision, uh, page 44. Fraser did send me the text and what page it was in the paperback, but I never read it. So what page is it on the paperback? So if it's in the paperback, page 25, but if you've got the leather back... Uh, or this version, then it's in page 44. It's called The Love of Jesus. Uh, and it's a wee bit different from the prayers we've been praying predominantly in our prayer nights that are usually very uh, challenging. Not that this isn't, but it's it's, it's, it's much, uh, I'm going to say light-hearted would be the wrong wording, but it's less, it's less condemning, uh, I would say. This is what it says. Oh, Father of Jesus, help me to approach thee with deepest reverence, not with presumption, not with servile fear, but with holy boldness. Thou art beyond the grasp of my understanding, but not beyond that of my love. Thou knowest that I love thee supremely, for thou art supreme, supremely adorable, good, perfect. My heart melts at the love of Jesus. My brother, bone of my bone, flesh, of my flesh, married to me, dead for me, risen for me. He is mine and I am his, given to me as well as for me. I am never so much mine as when I am his. How's that true? Just that statement there. We are never so much mine as when I am his. 
No, that statement, no. We're never, we're never more complete than when we are in close communion with Christ. I am never so much mine as when I am his, or so much lost in myself until lost in him. Then I find my true manhood. But my love is frost and cold, ice and snow. Let his love warm me, lighten my burden, be my heaven. May it be more revealed to me in all its influences, that my love to him may be more fervent and glowing. Let the mighty tide of his everlasting love cover the rock of my sin and care. Then let my spirit float above those things which is else wrecked my life. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like a poem. Make me fruitful by living to that love, my character becoming more beautiful every day. If traces of Christ's love, artistry be upon me, may he work on with his divine brush until the complete image be obtained and I be made a perfect copy of him, my master. O Lord Jesus, come to me. O divine spirit, rest upon me. O holy father, look on me in mercy for the sake of the well-beloved. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. We never know who's wrote these, but it's almost, for me, it's almost, it's almost uh, John Bunyan-esque, I think, in the, in the detail and the, and the drama and the, the picture that he paints, which Bunyan was so creative in, but we don't know who it is and it doesn't matter. It's beautiful anyway. Anyway, I mentioned some of what I'll be sharing tonight will be from uh, Spurgeon's, uh, Charles Harden Spurgeon's uh, sermons entitled, uh, We Have a High Priest. This is the scripture he uses and which we will be using tonight and we'll use it again in two weeks' time at the next prayer meeting. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, a wonderful uh, few verses. Seen then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Wonderful. I love it particularly, and there's just a couple of lines in it. In the old King James Version, the no, no, the New King James, but the King James Version. This is how it reads in the King James Version. It's pretty much the same apart from one section, but I'll read it all. Saying then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we do not have a high priest, and this is a bit that I love, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We do not have a high priest, and this is the bit that I loved, particularly in the King James. We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That's quite a statement. Meaning Christ as our high priest is not just a high priest, he is our high priest. We don't just have a, there's no, Christ is not just a high priest. He's our high priest. And he has feelings. And those feelings are touched by our problems and weaknesses and struggles and sins. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing? The Greek word for touched with feelings, it's one word, sympatheo. I mean, you don't need to even look far to where that comes from. Sympatheo. It comes meaning to sympathize. That, that's not hard to translate. It's, uh, but meaning he's touched. His feelings are touched by our struggles. Thinking that, we have a high priest that feels what we feel. He doesn't feel what we feel, then we dissect it and we hide it and we cover it and we, we maneuver it. And then where we go with that feelings to hide it or to compensate it or to disguise it or to deny it or to look for compensation for it or in the pursuit and what we go on to get healing for it. He feels the feelings we feel in our trials, dilemmas, woes, battles, sin, exactly as they were meant to be felt. It's pretty amazing as well, isn't it? So you think that we have a high priest that feels what we feel. He's able to delve into our whole being. He delves into our whole being. And he experiences... What we experience. Know what we disguise we experience. You know when you're looking for love, but you pretend you're not looking for love. Or you're angry with somebody, but you pretend you're no angry with somebody that you're just bringing truth to them. Or that you're desperate for, for or you're feeling insecure, but you disguise it as no insecure, but care. No, no, add whatever you want. He delves into our feelings. Right into the heart of your feelings goes, I know exactly what the problem is and what's going on. And that's what he wears. That's what he puts on. And then that's what he takes to the Father. It's, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? He, he can experience, he experiences our whole being. Even if you can't put your finger on it, he has. He's put his finger on but you can't or sometimes won't. Any times that we just, we could put our finger on it but we just won't. Because we're just not ready to deal with it or let it go or admit it. He's already one step ahead. Why does he do it? For the sake of being our advocate and help. The paraclete. Then he takes it to God. As a high priest, in the purest way. In the purest way. He's our high priest. He's no touched by anger. But first touched with tenderness. Spurgeon says, he has assumed a very tender office. End quote. We have to know this, brothers and sisters. We do not have a high priest who's not patient with all he knows about us. We have a high priest who is patient with all he knows about us. Spurgeon adds, great knowledge needs great patience if it would instruct the ignorant. End quote. 
Christ as that high priest has to be patient because he knows us to a greater depth than we'll ever know us. So he has to be patient with us to bring us to that knowledge. It's not that Christ can listen to our infirmities and our pains and our trials. Our worries and our failings. It's that he's bound to listen to them. It's not that he can if he wants to. It's not that Christ can if he wants to listen to you. It's not as if he chooses, he will. He's bound, he's called, he desires to, it's who he is. He can no more not hear and feel our woes than we can not get wet from water. It's who he is. He doesn't switch on and off for whether he decides to listen or care or love. It's not like humans. We can switch off at any point. He, can't, he never switches off for your sighs and their deep groanings, as it tells us in Scripture, our worries, our woes, our concerns, and every single thing. He never switches off for it, ever. Foxes and rabbits have holes, but, uh, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. He's constantly, continually, always going about the business of caring for us. It's in his very purpose to take all our petitions and cares to the Father. It's in his very purpose. He doesn't just communicate, as Spurgeon says, for men. He was to communicate with God from men. End quote. He doesn't communicate for men, he communicates from men. The high priest takes all our mess and perplexities and puts them in the right order. All our mess, perplexities, fears, worries, concerns, and then he starts to put them into the right order. He puts them in the right order. Quite a feat. To take never never mind us all at one time. Just, just think of that. Think of the size of that. So at the same time, he's taking my complexities, my deficiencies, my unwillingness, my denial, my lying, in order to no feel pain, and everything else in between. He's doing that the same way every single one of us at all times. That's the size. Sometimes you just have to go, whoa. Whoa. Because as we move on here, we're going to talk about imitating Christ and there has to come a time when you just go, that's never going to happen. Not at that level. But he starts to take them and he puts them in the right order. Even if you're trying to fool everybody about what's no going on in you, God's already dissecting, Christ is already dissecting exactly what's going on in you. This is for, this is the promise that he has for them who's chosen and loved and set apart. He brings it in order and he brings the right meaning, the right need, the right perspective. And he takes him to the father as a tender advocate and personal priest. Even if you're praying for the wrong thing and the selfish reason, 
That doesn't mean to say that, and I'll, I'll mention it. It doesn't mean to say that you won't be rebuked in that. But he's never hearing it wrong. He's never hearing it wrong. Even if you're speaking it wrong. Even if you're asking for it wrong. He doesn't just know our sins and battles. His whole heart enters them and takes it as his responsibility. He's not just, he, he's not just, he doesn't just understand your battle. He doesn't just understand your struggles. He doesn't just uh, comprehend your weaknesses. He takes complete responsibility of them. This is what he does for a believer. He takes complete responsibility of them and then presents them to the Father that the Father would have mercy upon us. Now that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But I did mention the imitating, and this is the bit that gets sore. Because <laughs> I'm going to add at this junction. Since Jesus is a perfect model, yeah? He is. The perfect model of humanity. How many of us can say we fall way short of taking others' burdens and weaknesses and having a tender and compassionate heart that is both patient and understanding with that poor soul? It's a game changer, isn't it? It's a game changer in this message. It was going so well. It was, it was going so well for me when I was preparing it and still the penny starts dropping on that. How many of us can say continually that we have the right heart and put the right things and hear the right things that's going on in people and their struggles and their battles and their dilemmas and, and put them right into a Christ-like perspective and we're able to level them and present them in a prayer as a brother in Christ as to present that person in prayer to the Lord. We fail. Surely to have such a high priest is not just one we look to and, and be grateful for. Which happened there for the first 10 minutes in what I spoke. But one whom we do all to act like and imitate in our own, and I'll say it like this, our own priestly caring and holy office. What do you mean by that? In our own Christian walk. Our own call to love our brothers in Christ and love humanity and care for people. To be loving towards our brothers and sisters and indeed all humanity. And, and, and if you just pause there, yeah, I can open this up. It's, it's, it's seen the perfect model in Christ and how he takes all our infirmities, all our weaknesses and he dissects them and he moves them and all the perplexities, our issues and our agendas and our, our lies and our deceit and our sin and he puts them in the right order for the right need and what's going on and what's really incomplete in our life and he puts them in the right order and he presents them to God as if they were his and pleads for mercy. Yet we can have an argument, the least argument or the least disagreement or the least flaw in somebody's life. And before it, we've, we've no dissected it and placed it and, and looked upon them in compassion because we've been too consumed with how they've made us feel. 
Imagine Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. You don't need to imagine that because he is. And he goes to plead to the Father and he says, I would write to plead for you in behalf of Bruce O'Brien. But the problem is I can't plead with you right because he's annoying me too much. Because of how he makes me feel. I can't present him to you with pure in heart and be an advocate for him. And see his pain and his struggles and his battles because he's hurting me too much. So I want to present this to you. Is that not how we live? Is that not how we present stuff? A high priest or this high priest, our high priest is not just one we look to and be grateful for, but one whom we do all and we should do all to act like and imitate in our own priestly, caring, holy office towards our brothers and sisters and indeed all humanity. Spurgeon reiterates time and time again that it's a tender office. And this whole sermon, it's there, there's hardly five lines past where he says it's a tender office. How tender are we with other people's infirmities? That you expect that tenderness yourself. How? How harsh can we be with other people's infirmities? How affected are we with other people's infirmities? Rather than being, as this is a, a statement you would hear a lot, rather than being effective, we're affected. Or rather than being effective, we're infected. It tells us in the text that we have a high priest who deeply feels our pain, but is not affected in a sinful way towards them. <laughs> There's a difference there. He feels the pain and the dilemma and the woes of others and the struggles and the battles of others, but he's not affected by them, that he presents them to the Father in a negative way. How different would a prayer life be if every time we felt somebody's pain or somebody's struggle or somebody's battle every time they imagine every time somebody annoyed us we weren't annoyed think of it that way that's I know that seems a bit stupid but you know what I mean imagine every time somebody annoyed us we weren't actually annoyed we were just we were just in deep deep care and we knew to the depths of what was going on in them what they needed and therefore we were totally unaffected by it and we presented that to the father We can even have a posse in O'Kearn. No, we share our woes with another brother or sister in Christ and then we have a, a, joy, a, a joint attack in the person's infirmities. Let's, let's, join, let's both join the attack of the person's infirmities. That's how far we can go. We have a high priest who deeply feels our pain but is not affected in a sinful way towards him. He can sympathise with us. But yet without sin. Sometimes we can't even sympathise nor be without sin. Sorry, I'm talking about myself here. Sorry sorry to bring you into my debate. Yeah. Sometimes I can lack sympathy and lack compassion. Not affected in a sinful way towards him. He's only affected in a loving, caring way. That's an amazing. That's an amazing 
saviour we have that he's never affected in a negative way with your problems. He's never, ever, ever affected in anything other than a pure way with your issues. Now, I don't want to say that none of you are like that because I don't want to make you a liar and make you a sinner. Okay? Because we were all fall short of that, didn't we? He's only affected in a loving, caring way. Only ever. Never ever in a selfish, unloving, uncaring or condemning way. Never condemning. That does not mean to say he doesn't chastise, but chastising and condemning is two different things. Condemning is what we do because of your flesh. Chastisement, what he does is because he loves us. God chastises what? Then he loves. Nor does he ever comfort or plead with the Father based on his own needs or wants or loss. How many is plead with the Father based on our loss? In fact, never mind pleading with the Father. How many is just plead? We're not even pleading with the Father, we're just pleading. How many is plead with the person? We don't even take it to the Father sometimes. We plead with the person to stop making us feel the way we feel. We are not even getting to the stage of taking it to the Father. We've not even got to the prayer stage at times. I'm pleading with you. <laughs> stop it. You're pleading with the person to stop it? Really? Jesus never pleads with the Father based on his own needs and wants and loss. This is what that would sound like. Father, please. I'm struggling with them. They're doing my boxing. Please, please stop making them hurt me. Can you? It's insanity, isn't it, to think that Jesus would talk to the Father like that? That somehow he would be affected by what, affected in an ungodly way with what somebody's doing to them. Instead of being an advocate and a high priest who pleads for the pain that's going on in people. See, this is a level of maturity that we're all working towards, isn't it? To get into a level of maturity where I am totally unaffected. Blessed are those who, know, who face persecution. See, see, see when you consider it all joy, you're, you're getting close to this. See when you start to consider it all joy and pray for those who persecute you and speak evil against you, you're getting close to this model. Yeah? Because you're hearing the pain and the despair in other people. But often we don't hear the pain and the despair of other people because we've got so much need that we need from them that we actually don't hear what's missing for their life. Therefore, we can't plead to God in their behalf. Lord, pray. Lord, I pray for my sister. I pray for my brother. I pray for my son. I pray for whoever. I pray for my boss. Pray for this. We take, we take our own pain what they cause us to the Father. And that's not always wrong. But getting to a level of maturity where we're noting our pain to the Father about what they've done to us, but we're taking their pain because we're unaffected by what they've done to us. There's a whole other level of living in it. Is this making sense? Are we all falling short of this? Yes. <laughs> 
Starting to see the difference between us and Christ? <laughs> the high priest. Can we really take our brothers and sisters' burdens and carry them and dissect them and understand them and present them and care for them in a compassionate, holy way? Surely that is a mature believer. That's not just for a pastor that can do that. Or they'll fail. That's a brother and sister in Christ who should be doing that. That's his all. The answer, of course, is no. I fail a lot. Yes, we all do, but this is the wonderful thing. We have a high priest that never. You know, you've got, we've got a high priest who never fails. We've got a high priest who never reacts poorly. Never. Who never fails and his perfect presentation of the depth of every situation that goes on in our heart that he then takes as our advocate to the Father. He presents it perfectly every time. He looks into the heart. He sees the pain. He sees the trials. And then he presents them perfectly to the Father. Therefore, we should be saying, why would I not bring all my prayers and petitions to the Lord? This is why we must, must bring all our petitions to him. And let the Holy Spirit lead us to a better, more tender heart ourselves. One of the reasons we don't have a tender heart towards our brothers and sisters in Christ is because we never really draw on the tender heart of Christ who loves us. Christ's affections are perfectly balanced. Here's the, here's the bit where our flesh comes in again. His care is perfectly weighted. His love is perfectly placed. He weighs all things up. That is exact in its nature and its reasons. Takes all that and brings it to the Father. Never ever is there a single minuscule of imperfect analysis. Of either the problem. Nor the solution. Never ever is there ever anything other than a totally perfect analysis. We have a wonder of a counsellor. Spurgeon says this. This is wonderful. Our high priest is quite at home with mourners. And he enters into their case as a good physician understands the symptoms of his patients. When we tell our Lord the story of our inward griefs, he understands it better than we do. He rightly reads our case and then wisely presents it before the majesty on high, pleading his sacrifice that the Lord may deal graciously with us. End quote. Then Spurgeon wonderfully adds this. Our merciful high priest will never make a harsh observation. I'll say the rest of the quote in a minute, but I'm going to pause there. For me, as a pastor, as just a believer, never mind a pastor, just as a brother in Christ. That has to be a goal. Not just for me, but for all of us. 
we never have a harsh observation. Where does harsh observations come from? My flesh. My feeling of loss. How I'm affected by it. Never a harsh observation. This is, as we talk about this, you realise this is a big and free for people, isn't it? It's getting free for people. If you cannot but receive or perceive or look at people upon harsh observations, it's because you're no free for them in the first place. If we go back to the book, if we go back to your letters in First uh, Corinthians, right at the beginning, and the whole problem about division, it's because they had a harsh observation of Paul. Our merciful high priest, this is against Spurgeon, he will never make a harsh observation. Never ask a rasping question. Nor presume, pronounce a crushing sentence. I'm just going to read that on one and ask yourself if you're there. And ask yourself where we place ourselves there. Our merciful high priest never makes a harsh observation. Right, that's me out. Okay, that's me out. I'm out. I'm out of the first sentence. I don't even get to the second sentence here. Never ask a rasping question. You ever in a debate with somebody? They knew the question's no rasping. It's no to belittle them or to bring them down or because you can't stop being in the way. You're so affected by that person's infirmities and lack and who they're not before you know it. In an argument. Rasping questions. Not pronounce. A crushing sentence. End quote. How judgmental are we? How judgmental are we? Because of how they make us feel. I observed some last week. I'm not going to get into details. And I was. I was. I was moved. Because I, I think the thing is. I. I see me in it. But in a sense, and this is not to make myself better than what I am, I seen the work of the Lord in my life to know that I would spot it and deal with it. Don't you think the worst thing about having a rasping judgment is, is that we never notice that we're being horrible to people? And we never get to the stage where we see their infirmities and their weakness and we just keep on going and going and going with your stuff. We were away last week and it was just a wee thing. It was just a small thing. Uh, but my patience, my patience was kind of stretched. That's what I'll say. My patience was stretched and I kind of bucked back a wee bit. And eh. Uh, I was gutted. I was gutted. I really was gutted. Because I know it was me. And my lack of patience. And You ever, you ever be lack of patience and you kill the good thing? <laughs> is anything like that? I, is it just me? No, you're like, I just ruined a good thing there. If I just kept my mouth shut, I would have been alright. But I didn't. And I felt terrible. I said to the person, I says, listen, I, I took that good moment away. I says, I was impatient there. And that wasn't right. And I went away and... Kind of annoyed me for a while. 
two things here, not to defend anything I'm doing or make me the story here. Two things, though, that I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm convicted in that quicker. I'm, uh, immaturity can run me that forever. Days. Why, why do you take so long to spot your weaknesses? Why do you take so long to spot that you got it wrong and all that defending? And how can they again present yourself? And uh, in, this, in this thought process, is that, is that repenting that I'm presenting myself to Christ and my weakness? And he dissects it, puts it in the right order and sends me back out more Christ-like. Does that, does that, do you get what I'm saying? But see if you're not willing to admit that and see that and then it goes on and on and on. And I spotted it last week in someone I thought, they've went on and on and on and on and on and on all week without spotting the person's deep infirmities and being able to step back for it as a more mature believer or a believer and say, my reaction to them has no longer been Christ-like. Oh, merciful, our merciful high priest will never make a harsh observation nor ask a rasping question nor pronounce a crushing sentence. Well, again, how far away are we from being like that, mostly? I'm, I'm not saying this to presume that we could ever reach that perfection. Paul does say not that we're perfect and we're perfected, but I'm, I'm pressing towards that goal. What is that goal? The upward call of Jesus Christ. Not to presume that we could ever reach that level of perfection, but I say it for twofold reason. Firstly, that we know the high priest we have and continue to take everything to him, who will never judge us. Now, I need to put a buffer out here and a bit of caveat out here. If you, I've been in church long enough where people never share anything with a human being and go, well, I speak to the Lord all the time. That's a problem. Okay, that's a problem. That's a trust issue. No, and we get that we take it to, we, we, we go to the Lord. No, we don't want to just take everything to man and no go to Christ with it. Because he's the perfect, he is the perfect advocate. But I'm not saying that, that we should never take stuff and speak to our brothers and sisters either. So it's not a get out of jail free card to never communicate with a human being. Because we'll end up, we'll end up not doing it anyway. No, confess your sins to one another that you'll be healed. Firstly, we know that the high priest we have will continue and we must take everything to him. We know that he'll judge it accurately. And then present it to the Father accurately. That's why we have to take everything to him. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It tells us in the soul. But secondly, that we endeavour to both imitate it, him, and be willing to crucify our flesh when we fall short of it. And take our shortcomings to him also. And what I mean by taking our shortcomings to him is we take our shortcomings to him when we never, when we never dissected it well, carried it well, presented it well. When we were affected by somebody's infirmities. We have to then... In all humility, step back, as it were, from that and then present our lack of graciousness to the Lord who will, be the same, who will advocate that the same way. 
To say to the Lord in prayer, Lord, I fail in my compassion and my ability to be tender in my patience and understanding is to allow our high priest to bring balance to our own feelings. Do you want to get better at loving? Then you have to take when you were not loving to the Father and present it to Christ as an unloving brother and sister in Christ who needs to get better. It's the only thing that will bring balance. To bring balance to your feelings. To make us better listeners. To make us better hearers. To make us less affected. And then in turn, it will help us be more loving and supportive for our brothers and sisters in Christ. How different would our prayers be? <laughs> How different would our counsel be? How different would our reactions be if we were to see the depth? And as Spurgeon calls it, the inward grief of people's actions and reactions. Not just the surface issue. Not just how they're affecting you issue. Not just how they're doing your boxing issue. Not just how they're annoying you. Not just how they're bothering you. Not just how they're irking you. But you look at you look upon that person who's in trouble, struggling, grieving, annoying you, not doing what you want them to do. Pleading, being needy, being jealous, being insecure, being an approval addict. Being demanding, being angry, being bitter, whatever you want to call it. And you have the ability as a, as a believer who's free for people. And somebody who imitates Christ that you can see that you don't react. Because you're able to see the grief. You're able to see the lack. You're able to see the incompleteness of Christ in them. And even if you don't see the incompleteness, which you won't completely... You're able to be unaffected enough to take that to the Lord and pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ or pray for that person. Knowing that he will know the depth of that person's dilemma. Proverbs 25, verse 5 comes to mind. My favourite scripture. How can you have a favourite scripture? The counsel of a man is a deep ocean. But there is a man of understanding who draws it out. Yet we're often way, way too personally affected that our own sin sabotages, totally sabotages the plight of others, the need of others, the lack of others, what's going on in others, the fear in others. How amazing would it be when people spoke to us that we would be able to just at least capture that Maybe we wouldn't be able to fully understand it. But we'd be unaffected by it. And as time goes on, you do become more aware and more understanding. It's called discernment. <laughs> no, to speak when it's seasoned with salt. How many times have you ever reacted? Oh, me too many. How many times have you ever reacted and then you've looked at it and you've gone, that was... I should have had more compassion there. That person's a hurting person. That person's a struggling person. 
What's going on in that person's a lack of Jesus? I don't know why I'm condemning them. See if somebody's in a place of dilemma and trial and lies and deceit. What is this missing for their life? What is this missing for their life? Jesus. It's Jesus that's missing for their life. Why is that bothering you? <laughs> Jesus is missing for their life, so let's give them a doing. <laughs> They're not doing this enough. They're not doing that enough. They're not doing that enough. It's Jesus that's missing for their life. Don't you think this is why the apostles, and then we look to Christ, why he could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Is that not why he was so easily able to say that? I don't know if it was easy. He was so readily able to say that on the cross. It's me they lack. It's why they do what they do. And he pleads for them. Know also that Christ is also a perfectly consistent high priest. And this is something he's no compassionate and caring towards some, but not others. Some of us are very priestly towards some people and very unpriestly towards others. That's no love. If you love one and no love the other, then the love of God is not in you. I'm like, oh, I've got total compassion on them, but I've got total lack of compassion on them who've no got compassion on them. Whoa, what's that? That's dependency. That's, that's no love. That's selfish love. Because Jesus says, I've got compassion on you and no you. I'm alright with you, but no you. I'm going to show love to you, but no you. I'm going to love you, Peter, but I'm not going to love you, Judas. <laughs> How many of us are so patient with some? yet so judgmental towards others. And if we're so patient towards some and so judgmental towards others, we can't call that priestly care. This is for sure proof that the patience to the sum or of the select is truly no selfless love, but selfish love. 1 John 4, 20, 21. It's, it's, it's having to work on that, isn't it? It's having to work on that universal love. Sustained love. Not having favourites. Yeah? They annoy me, but they don't annoy me. What's that? They annoy me, but they don't annoy me. Listen, I don't know if we'll ever get away from that. People will annoy us, okay? No, I'm setting the bar really high here that we'll never attain, okay? No, I've got to leave you and go like that. Nobody ever annoys me ever. They just do my boxing. They never do my boxing, okay? You're going to have people that do your boxing. They're sent to do your boxing because they're going to make you more priestly. Yeah. No. I've got a room for you. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> They just, I'm all right with them. They just, they just wind me up the wrong way. Isn't it? You ever notice that everybody's all right with everybody else's mother, but not their own? You ever notice that? That's nearly, that's nearly universal. See, my mother just does my nothing. Oh, leave her, she's your mother. And then they say to you, see my mother, they do my nothing. Leave her, she's your mother. 
People say all the time, small doses with my mother. I can't like your mother. And then they'll say to you two minutes later, small doses with my mother. Well, I'm all right there. These things are sentries. All these things, all these people just trying you. And you're thinking, imagine Jesus like that. I'm going to pray for that mother, but no that mother. I'm going to pray for Mark's mother. I'm going to pray for Vanessa's mother. I'm going to pray for Callum's mother. But Father, I can't bring myself to pray for my own mother. She's doing my nothing too much. <laughs> Universal. Love. Having that same spirit towards all mankind. Why, don't, why are we not? No free. They affect us too much. They affect our flesh too much. We need too much from them. We're not free enough from them. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Just simplify that. See if you love them and no love them, you're a liar. You don't love them either. That's just, that's a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a new download for that scripture. See if you love them and you act as if you love them, but you keep on hating them, you don't love them either. Is what the scripture's saying. So what is it I'm doing to them then? Because it feels like love. No, 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 no. There's a selfishness, there's a lack of freedom in that, what you're given. If you love them and you're showing love to them and compassion to them, but no showing compassion or love to them, that's no loving them either. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For who does not love his brother whom he has seen? How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. That could be plural. It's no singular, it's plural. How inconsistent are we in our love and compassion? But isn't it wonderful that Christ is never inconsistent? Never inconsistent. Nor does he ever misunderstand the meaning or the situation. He's never clouded by flesh. Never. This is the ad, this is this is a high priest we have. Never clouded by flesh. Never warped or wrapped in his own need. Never. And he's never ever driven. By his own pain. Or loss. I don't know about you. But that puts me out. Again. I'm out again. I have to present you. To the father. Because I can't do it. The great counsel is. Is that we take. Our brothers and sisters. Pains and dilemmas. And irks and annoyances. And we present them to the father. And I promise you. See when we come back. With that Sabbath. That table, that prayer, we have a different view of our brothers and sisters. We no longer look at them as somebody who is annoying us or bothering us, but somebody who we're presented to the Father. Because in that presenting, Christ himself hears our struggles and our battles even we people. And he presents that to the Father. Almost saying, don't be too judgmental on Fraser for him being judgmental on Zach. No easy. Don't be too harsh on Rachel 
for not being loving enough to your sister or our boss or whoever. Never ever driven by his own pain. And this is the high priest we have. Therefore, we must in all things lift our hearts and voices to the Lord in times of unrest, in times where we lack peace, in times of anger, in times of annoyance or frustration. You have to, we have to learn to just take a step back. I say this all the time, don't overstate your ability to be welcoming. Where you start judging and you start condemning, you have to take a step back. You have to go to the Lord and you have to pray. And he starts to change your heart and your compassion level. Your compassion levels increase and your pain decreases and your annoyance decreases. And then what happens next? You become a servant again. Sometimes we can, sometimes we're like part-time servants, aren't we? Well, I'm only on a tour shift. We're doing 24 hours a day, but we're only good to compassion tours. Well, I know, but here's the problem. You're, you're, you're 24 hours in the game. Okay, apart from maybe seven when you're sleeping, but even then you might be dreaming about resentment. Right, but... And you're like, I'm serving and I'm running about people 10 hours a day. But I've only got a servant's heart for one of that hour. And the rest of the time I'm either caught on my own need or my own judgment. And that's where we have to grow in that. And this prayer is about this. And as we close in prayer here, it's about... It's about extending our servanthood. It's about extending our servant's heart. It's about extending our heart to be unaffected. It's about extending our heart to be compassionate. And see, as you keep extending it, and you keep extending it, and you keep extending it, and you keep extending it, you keep extending it, you keep extending it. That's where you end up. Dying yourself. For the sake of the name. Amen. I'm not even going. I think that was a good enough ending there. I'll get my stuff. And I'm not going to say it. We'll keep that for next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the high priest, our high priest takes our troubles, our trials, our woes, our judgments, our compassion levels, our care levels, our pastoral levels, our priestly levels, our levels of being a brother and sister in Christ. You take our personal griefs, our warped needs, our heart-rending pains and struggles and trials and worries you take them all and you perfectly place them without a single fault without a single wrong analytical outlook you take them perfectly and you present them to the Father as if they were yours. And you plead 
on our behalf for the Father's mercy and grace to cover us. And he does. And you continue to do that day in, day out, week in, week out, moment by moment. Constantly. Covering us by your grace. And making us each and every moment to continually be sanctified to become more like you. Help us, Lord, we ask, to be better priests, brothers, sisters, servants. And when we feel those things, help us to take a step back and bring those petitions to you where you'll even chastise us, you'll rebuke us as you need to and send us back out into the world and into our life and our, our jobs and our families as more peace-loving, better servants and advocates where people can come to us where they would not run away from us or they know that they can come to us because they know they would not be judged and they know that they would have a gentle answer and they could pour their hearts out in us because we would be unaffected by them and then we present that to you we ask all these things in Jesus mighty name Amen there was much more in that but I'm glad we stopped when we stopped because it gives me a bit of leeway for when we speak about it next time. A wee bit different in a prayer meeting, but desperately needed, don't you think? Desperately needed. Well, the rest of the night, just with a little time we've got left, we're going to get a, a report. We've been talking about this and praying about this, about, you know, we don't, uh, we, we don't advocate for women speaking on a platform, nor bringing teaching. No, we, 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 a woman should be silent in a meeting and that is absolutely right. But we have sought you know, prayer, a bit of guidance and I think there's a difference between that unless God changes our mind with us in the future. A difference between that and somebody bringing in a prayer meeting type a report about what's happening to women uh, coming from a woman. No, no teaching men or, 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 or bringing correction to men or, or being a voice. But, but just as the woman in the ministry are coming together and during these prayer meetings you know, to hear from the women how they're getting on and that so that we can pray for them. So we've thought deeply about this because we've never in, f in the whole four years had a woman even come here and say a word. Uh, and, and that's been right when they're preaching. Um, but in order you know, sometimes to speak on somebody's behalf all the time, just to bring a report and at this meeting and understanding uh, bringing a report and just bringing information uh, we, we, we are at this moment in time you know, seeking through prayer we're okay with that we feel that that's okay we're no misplacing the order but the best person to hear about the women and what they're doing is the woman who's leading the women so this will be the first time that, 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 that Vicky's ever said a word out with she's never asked her it, said a word about what's going on in the women but we just wanted her to see what's going on and just share about the women's ministry a wee bit tonight at the prayer meeting. 
know, is they're bringing a close to the, uh, the Beatitudes, which they've been in for nearly a year. So uh, with that, I know Vicky's going to share a few thoughts. We'll pray. We'll pray for the women. And I just think it's good for all, us all to be encouraged. And then I think James is going to come briefly and share. Uh, we'll maybe run out of time. I know Andrew's shared about the youth recently. So we'll probably, you know, we know about that. And we'll continue to pray about that. But uh, Vicky will come and James will come. If Andrew's got time, he'll come. If not, Andrew will do that in two weeks' time when, uh, when he comes. Okay. Uh, and then I'll come up at the end and we'll just close in prayer. And we'll bring all that's said into mind, and especially that message that, that I feel the Holy Spirit is just timing has been perfect for us tonight. Amen. Up you come. Thank you so much. That was just an amazing message. It just has so touched me, and I just your teaching is more and more just how to use those prayer guides and how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ and our fellow man. And I know how better to pray tonight following that. So thank you so much, Mark. Just to give a bit of context and history, um, as women in this church, we have always deeply struggled with our fit in the Christian walk, if you like, and where we fit, fit in the Christian community. And that's been a real struggle for years until the word was found in our church, which is five years due this month. Um, and it absolutely has revolutionised us as women. It's totally changed us. And for the last four years, we have been getting a strong foundation, not just in a Sunday through the teachings and now through prayer meetings, but as women about our role as women and our identity. And I believe as women, we truly know what our role is and we know what our identity is. And that's because of God's word being taught in this house. Um, but this year has been completely different. It's been really life-changing. And I say that not in the past where I would say that flippantly, but because it has been. And the reason that it's been life-changing is, is Mark, rightly said, I lead the women. I'm not a pastor. I have no spiritual authority in this house, except which the pastor and elders has given me to teach the women. And at the start of this year, um, Mark had said, we have a meeting every year where they pray about what we're going to do as a church and had said that he felt that it would be good for the women to be taught the Beatitudes. And I can honestly say it's been wonderful. Um, and it's been wonderful for a lot of reasons. It's been wonderful because, like, as we hear every Sunday, the women have went and bought books to go and study the Beatitudes. They know what's going to get taught every month because we're on to our next Beatitude. And this year we have completed eight. It's hard to believe, but um, we started at the end of January. And then in May, we had an overnight in a hotel with all the women. And a highlight of that trip was... Yeah, the fellowship, which is just so good to see that unity of the women in the house. But there was four women that got to speak on one of the, each four Beatitudes. And I remember being there and actually observing the other women in the church, listening to these women talk, and they were overjoyed. They were so pleased and delighted to see their sister in Christ be able to speak about how God's word's changing them. And I just thought, wow, that's just incredible. And certainly what we've done is we've booked already the hotel for next year. So we're going to go next year and we've got a bigger room. So that's something that we're really looking forward to. 
Um, we've then met again as women and over the last two meetings we've had two other different women share their testimony and how God's word is changing them. And again, see for me to see other women's reactions, listen to other women, it just so blesses me. And I know it doesn't just bless me, but it blesses our pastor and it blesses our elders because all they desire is that we become Christ-like, just like what Mark spoke about tonight. That's their hope for us, that we become all we are in Christ and to fulfill our God-given roles as women. And to hear women talk about what scriptures from John's gospel has ministered to them and what's ministered to them in the Beatitudes has really, I've just been like, wow, that's just amazing. Because you know that people and the women are really learning and that God's sanctifying them. And it's not just that they're turning up on a Sunday, but God's word is really changing them. And I've just loved to see that. It's just been wonderful because it's not about me bringing a teaching every month. It's about seeing the other women and giving them an opportunity to share what God's doing in their life. And that's something that I've always wanted to happen. And as I reflect back on our journey as women, I had all these desires and now they're actually being outworked. And I the only reason they're being outworked is, is because of the strong spiritual covering we have. That, that, that I know that for a fact. We are so covered spiritually as women in this house. We are in an environment where we are not subject to gossip, division, divisiveness. This is our haven because we have that in the world and we don't have that in here. And that comes from the spiritual covering that we receive. So that's why I believe um, that God's word through the Beatitudes has been able to flourish in women's lives this year because we all now know, or we should know, that we the true depravity that we have as sinners. But through the Beatitudes, and I remember Mark saying to me, he says, Vicky, that is a vital piece of scripture. If as a believer, you need to understand the Beatitudes. And I just think as women, we understand them and we can hear it in every message. You know, I can hear the Beatitudes and what Mark spoke about tonight. And I just think how wonderful that is for us. Um, so that's really been um, our journey this year. And we're going to have our last meeting to tie up the Beatitudes. And that'll be on Wednesday, the 28th of October. And I just know that again, as women will come together, and it'll be a real celebration of everything that God's doing in our life. And I know our pastor and elders will be prayerful about what it is that we do next. And see, for me, I love that. I love that they decide what we're doing. Because see, if you go to any big conferences like Grace Community Church, they're told them what to teach. And I just think that's just wonderful because I'm not a spiritual head at all whatsoever. So, and we really have re reaped the benefit of that. Um, and just to close, just in prayer, it's what Mark had said there. This was a scripture that I had actually noted that I just feel for you to pray for us as women is that, that we are pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus in Philippians 3.14. So thank you so much for empowering us as women. Thank you. Thank you for that, Vicky. Uh, let's just pray for the, the women's ministry. Amen. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for and what Vicky shared there. We thank you for the, the journey of the women in this church, God, uh, through, through your word, God, that they've uh, learned so much. Uh, they're fit in this house, God, that they are protected. Uh, 
as part of your house, God, and through the Beatitudes, they know what it is to 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 know that they are a sinner, but they have a saviour in you, God. And we thank you for everything that's happening uh, in the women in this church uh, and for their future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to give a quick uh, just report on the kids tonight. Uh, and really, it's not what we've done, it's what we're going to do uh, for the next month. And of course, this is, we call it Reformation Month because it's October and it is, our, like Vicky said, it's our fifth anniversary of this, of, of our own Reformation in this church, but also obviously uh, the Reformation with Martin Luther and, and things like that. So we wanted to dedicate this month for the kids uh, to learn about the Reformation. Uh, and at the end of it, instead of having a Halloween party, we have a Reformation party. So um, the kids love it and of course, uh, we want to teach them about the, the forefathers, people that have gone before for us in the faith and why it's important to know these people, um, what they achieved, what God did through them. So really, and again, it's much of what we heard tonight is it's, it's having a personal saviour in Jesus that knows us inside out, that we don't need to go through another person to have a relationship with Jesus, but as, as the Reformation brought about that kind of more personal relationship with Jesus. We want the kids to understand the importance of that also. So please be praying for them this month. Uh, to top it off, we have a, um, during the October week, we have a, a couple of um, days allocated there where we want to have a holiday club. We're going to have a holiday club as we did in the summer. So we can invite kids and their families from out with uh, the community into, into the house here. So that's, again, another opportunity where we can reach out into the community. And then on the 29th, that will be our Reformation party on that night. And we'll be having games and things, but again, learning and having fun together with the kids. Uh, uh, pinning the thesis on the door is a favourite game. So, um, so it's just a fun way to, to get them to learn and to appreciate what's gone before. Amen. So I just want to pray for that in a minute. And we also have a couple of prayer requests that I'm going to cover tonight, okay? So let's pray together tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your, your goodness, God, your goodness to us. Lord Jesus, we simply want to serve you, God, with a, the best of our ability, God. We thank you for the, the children of this house, God, and everything that we have planned, God. Lord Jesus, it's ultimately your will that is to be done, God. But we are working hard to to do what we can, to do our part, God. And we thank you for the kids' ministry and everything that we have planned this week and this month ahead. Uh, we thank you for the Reformation and everything that that stood for. I just pray that as we teach these kids so much this month that they would take it in. Uh, it would be in their hearts, they would understand God and they would love the, the forefathers of the faith and the, the change that you brought about through them, God. We thank you for the, the, the opportunity that we have to invite uh, families from our community into your house, God. And I just pray that uh, your spirit would lead us in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Just a couple of things to mention tonight as well. Um, Anne uh, Dunbar had asked us to pray for her sister-in-law uh, and she had uh, 
been tested for cancer and I'm happy to say that she got the all clear. So that's a great, um, a great uh, answer to prayer. We give glory to God for that, but also I want to pray for her salvation. Uh, Mary's her name, so I'm going to pray for her in a second. Also a young man called Bob, who's also related to Anne. Uh, I've known Bob for, for many years, particularly when, in my younger years. Uh, she's related to my, my wife as well, uh, my wife's cousin, and he's had a, a hard life. You know, you can say about some people they've had a right hard life. Well, this young man has had a hard life, been mixed up in, in all sorts of things and uh, in drugs, etc. as young people do, looking for answers and things. Uh, but recently, just there's been a turnaround in his life. He's been, been attending church. He's not been taking any drugs. He's cleaned up his life. So I just pray uh, that we can pray towards that, that that continues and God does a work in his life. Amen. And also Audrey has asked us to pray for one of her colleagues. Um, he's been uh, taken ill with a stroke uh, and he's been in hospital for the last two weeks. So let's bring all these things in, in prayer to God tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the, the wonderful news, God, that uh, Mary has given the, the all clear tonight, God. Uh, we just pray through, through this situation, God, that uh, that you would be uh, praised, God, that you would uh, be glorified in this situation, that Mary would see that your hand was upon her in this, God, that she would know that people are praying for her, God, and that she would look to you for for uh, uh, the answer, God, that she's looking for, God, the, the hope that's in you, God. Uh, Lord Jesus, I also bring Bob before you tonight, God. Man, uh, this young man has uh, been so uh, hurt through all the years, God, from different situations, through different choices that he's made, God. I just pray that our compassion grows for him, God. The compassion in my heart and the compassion of our family, God, would grow towards this young man that we would seek to help him, God. I pray for his soul tonight, God, that as he continues to, to go to church, wherever it may be, God, that he seeks after you, God, that, uh, that the stories that he may have heard as a young man would come back to him, God, that he would know that there's a hope and that hope is in Jesus Christ, God. I thank you for his life tonight. And we also pray for Audrey's colleague, God. We pray for healing and your will to be done in that situation, God. As they've uh, had a stroke, God, and they find themselves in the hospital, that they would, again, seek answers and seek you, God, in the situation and seek hope in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for all these things tonight. In your precious name, amen. We'll get Andrew's report in two weeks. Is that okay, Andrew? Good, because I know we're going to be praying for the youth and the continued work that you're doing there uh, in Ephesians. Amazing work. You know, when, when people comes to mind, whether it's somebody that's in cancer, we think you all them. You know, when they're a young man who's starting to, maybe the door started to open for a new life in Christ. We think you all the young men who need that door open. So, And God can do it for one, he can do it for all. So we pray for all those who are in despair and lost and um, uh, and we continue to pray for one another uh, one of the things that Spurgeon says I never got to do is when God rebukes us he never breaks our heart mm 
Isn't that a wonderful thing? When God rebukes us, he never breaks our heart and he restores us. And that's, that has to be your goal as we maybe bring any sort of correction in people's life or any sort of guidance in people's life. Uh, as we bring that, we never break their heart. No, well, we're bringing correction to their life. Let's just pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for tonight and being with us through your spirit, teaching us so much as we go into this month, this amazing month of reformation, which has so changed our church. We pray, God, that you would continue to equip us, help us, continue to give us a heart like yours towards the broken, the lost, the hurting, them who are sick, uh, for one another, especially one another. Love those, especially those in the household of faith. Help us to be uh, a caring, loving advocate for one another, who stands with one another, who pleads each other's cases with you, God. Uh, all for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for being with us tonight. Another wonderful night. Thanks for sharing, Vicky. I know that's our first thing uh, that you've done that. No, and we appreciate you coming and sharing that. I know the men would think that was a real encouragement to them, what's happening here and the women and, and everything that's doing and the unity is the unity is coming together there. God bless. And we'll see you on Sunday as we move on to a new section again of First um, Corinthians. We're getting through it like breakneck speed here. You know, we're nearly at verse 18 already and that's only been about six months, so we should be okay. No, we say we're going to go to Corinthians. We're going to go to Corinth come the end of the teaching. And I think people will be going, that's going to be a while. I don't know if I'll make it. I don't know if I'll make it. I might not be here by the time that comes. We better do it soon. Let's kind of, no, and I had such a good time. I'm at home on Sunday night. I was like, I could maybe skip through this in about a week. Uh, and we could go next week to Corinth. But it's going to take a good few years. But by then, hopefully, uh, we'll still all be fit and able and ready to go on that amazing journey to Corinth, even use it as frightened to flying. We can maybe find a way to get you by ship, boat or something. I don't know how we'll get there. Uh, maybe take some of you that length of time to save up, I don't know. Uh, but God bless. Thanks for being with Thanks for your faithfulness, your, your heart to sit under God's word. He's, no, his love for us is incredible, isn't it? It really is. He always gives us an answer that we need just in that season to have such a high priest who loves us and he's ours. He's our personal high priest. What an amazing gift we have in that. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.